This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Royal Thai Garden Evid Beach. The next time you're on the west side and hungry, stop by Royal Thai Garden Evid Beach for the best Thai and low ocean food you can find on this island and possibly anywhere. Mention the Blue Hawaii Podcast, get 20% off. Blue Hawaii. Aloha listeners. Welcome to the show. It is Saturday, March 23rd. I hope you are all doing well. It is the most wonderful time of the year. The NCAA tournament is underway. By the time you hear this, my bracket will be in complete tatters. Uh, At least it can't possibly be as bad as last year when I picked Virginia to win it all. And they became the first ever top seed to lose an opening game to a bottom-ranked 16 seed. The University of Maryland. Baltimore County. Not even Maryland. Not even big flagship main campus Maryland. Baltimore County. Well, without giving you a full game-by-game recap and preview of what to expect, you should know that I have picked the Duke Blue Devils to win it all this year. So when Zion's shoe blows out again and they crash and burn, you can blame me. The boys, our Rainbows, UH Bows, unfortunately, are not playing a postseason tournament this year. But the Rainbow Wahine did make it to a postseason tournament. Unfortunately, they fell in their opening round game to St. Mary's. Folks, I am flying solo here again this week. Let me tell you a little bit about what we have in store. We're going to do a little bit of news, and then I have a special feature to share with you. We reached out, you know, in the aftermath of the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand. Wall-to-wall coverage, you've seen it. The, The reaction to such a horrific thing in that country has been truly inspiring the the grace and courage shown by Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern as well as the Kiwi society in general and the way they've they've really demonstrated the best way, you know, the best way to respond to an act of evil such as this. Later I'm gonna be sharing some thoughts from Dr. Simon Gray. He is a professor of international relations and Islamic studies at the University of Waikato in New Zealand. He, uh, very, very interesting guy, fascinating guy. I'll tell you more about him and you can hear what he has to say. We get, rather than, rather than us tell you what Kiwis are thinking, you can actually hear firsthand what Kiwis are thinking. Now, some brief news, big Friday bombshell, Friday news dump, Bobby Muller, he's POW. He has officially concluded and submitted his report. Uh, it is now with the attorney general who will subsequently summarize it, send it on to Congress. We don't know how much we'll see. We're hoping somebody will leak it. We'll see all of it. My prediction, literally nothing will happen, and it'll still be up to us to defeat Donald Trump in 2020. Lock it in. The difference between this and Watergate is in Watergate, uh, the Republican Party still had morals and standards. But, you know, life goes on. Speaking of of, uh, doubt in government, Hawaii News Now broke the story this week. Hart, the Honolulu Authority for Rapid Transportation, the folks who are overseeing the rail, uh, this is the headline from Rick Desog. New hire charged with reining in Hart's budget is being paid 85k a month. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Great. Well, totally normal. Five months after he was ousted as the head of a Canadian rail project, the Honolulu Authority for Rapid Transportation has hired veteran rail executive Paul Gianella. Gianella is a friend of Hart's CEO, Andrew Robbins. The rail authority said it hired him for his expertise as one of the foremost builders of mega transportation projects to get the project back on track. But news reports say Gianella stepped down in November as the head of Calgary's multi-billion dollar light rail project after he clashed with employees. (sighs) Okay. The rail authority told Hawaii News Now he was hired for three months for a total of $256,000. Hart did not provide a copy of his contract. 
Good. Great. Normal. Uh, speaking of problematic government expenditures, another headline from Civil Beat that came out this week. Ige turns to private prison firm for new Oahu jail. Hawaii officials are struggling to find the hundreds of millions of dollars in state money needed for a new correctional facility. CoreCivic is viewed as a prime candidate for a private prison because the state has a long-standing relationship with the Tennessee-based company. More than 20 years ago, as a temporary measure, pause for laughter and derisive laughter at that, Hawaii began shipping prisoners to the mainland because it did not have enough detention space, even then, to house people convicted of crimes. Today, approximately 1,450 inmates from Hawaii are held in a detention center in the Arizona desert called Sawaro Correctional Center, which is operated by CoreCivic. The company was previously known as the Corrections Corporation of America, end quote. So, right, listeners, it won't surprise you to know uh, our views on this. Leaving prisons up to free market supply and demand is the opposite of humane and ethical. CoreCivic wants to make money. Uh, it's a corporation. It exists specifically to make money for its shareholders. To make money, it needs more and more and more prisoners doing more and more and more underpaid labor. Gee, does that remind you of any other institution in American history? Hmm. Hawaii making national news. Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, rejects Hawaii B&B owner who denied room to gay couple. That's the headline from the AP. Basically, SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, rejected an appeal from a Hawaii bed and breakfast that would not rent a room to a lesbian couple. Owner Phyllis Young had argued she should be allowed to turn away gay couples because of her religious beliefs, and she leaned on the Supreme Court's decision in the Colorado cake shop, excuse me, the Colorado bakery, you know, wedding cake case. The difference here, of course, Hawaii's law, specifically if you're holding out a public accommodation, if you are acting as a, as a bed and breakfast, essentially a mini hotelier, you know, that's very different than preparing a wedding cake for a ceremony. There's nothing in Hawaii law that allows anybody to discriminate against gay and lesbian same-sex couples when they're holding out a public accommodation. So too bad, so sad, Miss Young. Uh, maybe don't discriminate. Good to know. Going forward, some you know, twenty talking about twenty twenty dem buzz. We got uh, we heard a lot of reaction last week, and some folks said, "Hey." You know, you haven't talked about Andrew Yang, the exciting uh, entrepreneur who's got the, the proposal for universal basic income. He's making a lot of noise on the internet. A very unexpected headline about uh, Mr. Yang from Will Sommer in the Daily Beast. Less cutting, more stimulus. Andrew Yang, upstart Democratic presidential candidate, comes out against circumcision. One quote from Yang, I'm highly aligned with the intactivists. Yang said, history will prove them even more correct. <laughs> well, uh, I'll let you read the article. This is not something we need to get too far into. I know Ryan has uh, has some strong thoughts about this, including several documentaries he's watched. I I really hope this comes up in the debate. I want to hear all of the candidates' views on foreskin. One thing you know, you want your candidates to be transparent. You want them to answer every question that's get that gets asked. And there we are. Uh, what else? What other news? Oh. The Kansas Department of Transportation's official Twitter account was used to call President Trump, quote, a delusional communist on Sunday. The post, which was deleted within two hours, was made by an employee who is no longer working for the agency, according to a subsequent tweet. Oh, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Ah, folks, so I mentioned Zion Williamson at the top of the show, the Duke standout who is set by all accounts. The National Player of the Year award is his to lose. That seems to be the only form of Zionism that is not controversial. You remember our shows earlier this week. This came up a lot. We're talking about Israel, APAC, the Ilhan Omar stuff, 
on both sides and how everything is being used at this point for political hay. Vice News is reporting 2020 Democrats are dropping like flies from the pro-Israel APEC conference. Uh, just weeks after Democrats had a meltdown over Rep. Ilhan Omar's criticism of Israel, seven 2020 Democratic presidential candidates have opted to skip this year's APEC policy conference. Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Pete Buttigieg, Jay Inslee, and Julian Castro have all confirmed they will not be attending. Democrats started pulling out of the conference after Move On, a progressive advocacy group, called on candidates to skip the event. So this is interesting, you know, in terms of the everything going on in D.C., Democrats having to simultaneously, you know, to keep everybody happy, condemn Omar and then follow through by not attending APAC and inherently validating her criticism. So uh, it would be nice to people just like, you know, said what they felt. Um, not everybody, though. People saying what they feel can swing the opposite way. Listeners, uh, for those of you who don't know, this week was the Jewish holiday of Purim, which commemorates Queen Esther saving the Jewish people of Iran, of then known as Persia, the Jewish people of Persia, from genocide and destruction at the hands of the king's advisor, Haman. Now, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in the Middle East to to pose for photos with Bibi Netanyahu and support his re-election campaign. And he offered this to say uh, during an interview with the Christian Broadcasting Network. They asked, could it be that President Trump right now has been sort of raised for such a time like this, just like Queen Esther, to help save the Jewish people from an Iranian menace? CBN News asked. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the man in charge of U.S. foreign policy, responded, As a Christian, I certainly believe that's possible. I am confident that the Lord is at work here. Oh, wonderful. Normal country, normal times all around. Speaking of Israel, another re-election gift to Bibi. Trump uh, comes out, you know, on Twitter, of course, recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. The timing, you know, Israeli elections happening on April 9th, insisting, oh, this is totally not, this is an apolitical thing, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right. Uh, not much of a chance of that. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but Bibi Netanyahu is not dog whistling anymore, folks. He is saying exactly the quiet part out loud. Why do you think his defenders are focusing so much on Ilhan Omar? Uh, because Bibi Netanyahu has come out and explicitly said Israel is not a country for its non-Jewish citizens. Posting on Facebook in response to uh, an Instagram callout from Israeli model and TV presenter Rotem Sela, who wrote, When the hell will someone in this government let the Israeli public know that this is a country for all its citizens and that every person is born equal and also that the Arabs are human beings? This is in response to in, in the campaign for re-election, Bibi Netanyahu is saying his opponent uh, will put together, he will, he will, you know, basically by, he's going to empower Arabs in the government in his coalition and thus he will not be a legitimate prime minister, which is an insanely racist thing to say. Uh, Bibi responded on Facebook, Dear Rotem Sela, I read what you wrote. Israel is not a state for all its citizens. According to a basic law we passed, Israel is the nation state of the Jewish people and the Jewish people only. Wow. What a guy. Love it. Love it. Great. Totally helpful. International news. More. Brexit postponed? Question mark. Theresa May went to Brussels, got a small reprieve from the original drop-dead date of March 29. However, this all still hinges on Parliament approving the deal that she has negotiated with the EU, and that's a deal that Parliament has already rejected twice. So the new dates for leaving, if Parliament approves the deal, you know, third time's the charm, right? I guess? Question mark. Uh, Brexit will happen on May 22nd. 
If Parliament does not approve the deal, hard Brexit April 12th. So they'll actually, if Parliament approves the deal, they'll actually get more time to allow all of the necessary paperwork, supporting legislation, etc. cetera. Uh, and if they don't, as soon as April 12th, the rug will be pulled out from under Britain. Bonne chance, as they say in Brussels. Finally, a last piece of international news before we get to Dr. Gray and New Zealand. If any of our listeners have a subscription to The Economist, please get in touch because I saw this headline that I want to share with you. Uh, it was unfortunately behind a paywall, so I couldn't get too much of the article. Damn those free market capitalists over The Economist. Quote, the president of the Philippines wants to rename his country, but does his proposed name mean nobility or big phallus? Listeners, I'll leave you with that. Uh, again, if you have a subscription to The Economist and can fill in more of that content, please let us know. I will be right back with, it's, it's, not, it's not quite an interview. It's, let's think of it as a very thoughtful voicemail. So we're coming right back with the thoughts of Dr. Simon Gray from Waikato, New Zealand. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the show, everyone. As I mentioned at the top, we wanted to get some perspective on the horrific Christchurch massacre that took place in New Zealand. So I reached out to friend of a friend and fellow Pacific Forum young leader, Dr. Simon Gray, who is a professor at the University of Waikato in the Islamic Studies group. Uh, he specializes in international relations and security studies. He's also a WSD Honda non-resident fellow with the Pacific Forum. He studies uh, evolution and diversity and the cause and effect dynamics of contemporary political Islam. His work has appeared in the New Zealand International Review, the Waikato Islamic Studies Review, and African Security. I asked Dr. Gray to share his reaction to the shooting in Christchurch, his thoughts on the rise of white nationalism around the world and how he foresaw the future of New Zealand going forward and how this would shape politics and the debate in that country. Dr. Gray was kind enough to respond and here's what he had to say. Aloha and kia ora from New Zealand. Thanks for having me on the show. Although under tragic circumstances, the terrorist attack in Christchurch on Friday the 15th of March on two mosques in the Muslim community was unprecedented and horrific. 51 people have lost their lives, over 30 have been injured, and approximately six remain in critical care, fighting for their lives. This is an event that has cut to the very heart of our society, which is otherwise largely peaceful, tolerant and diverse, and holds dear a culture of liberal democracy. So, like that of the nations at this time, my prayers and thoughts are with those lost, their families, all those injured, and everybody that has been affected by this uh, horrific act of political violence. Understandably, in the coming days, weeks, months, if not years, tough questions will have to be asked, and more importantly, answered as to why this has occurred. Moving forward, critical debate will be crucial uh, to this, but we cannot afford uh, for this to descend into uh, politicking and blame politics uh, amongst our political parties, uh, as well as non-state actors and wider society. I am optimistic despite what has happened over the last week, 
I've really witnessed a, an unprecedented coming together of New Zealanders in the wake of this uh, tragedy. And this includes the political leadership led by our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. I hope that this can continue. However, there are concerns uh, over comments that have been made by political actors overseas that somehow this uh, attack was the result of Muslim immigration. This is absurd, highly offensive uh, to a people and community that have been through so much, as well as uh, a nation. New Zealand is a nation of immigration and migrants. And the Muslim community, uh, which is approximately a little over 50,000, uh, many of them being migrants, not all, but many, uh, have come to New Zealand uh, from regions of the world where they were otherwise persecuted in one form or another uh, and where conflict has been rife. This uh, especially includes regions of Southeast Asia, South Asia, uh, the Middle East, as well as Africa. And like many countries in the wider Western world, there has been debate over Muslim immigration, particularly in the post 9-11 era. And uh, this, however, has been fundamentally driven by an irrational fear over Islam and Muslims in the wake of uh, those terrorist attacks and other attacks that have occurred uh, throughout uh, the world uh, over the last uh, uh, two decades, especially. However, this is uh, not the primary focus of the debate on immigration in New Zealand, uh, which has centred, uh, particularly in more recent years, uh, around issues concerning infrastructure and housing. And I don't see that changing at this point. There is also concern that far-right extremist ideology has been, either by default or design, encouraged as a result of the rise of far-right politics and actors in the mainstream political discourse within the wider Western world. In addition to this, there is growing concern, and for good reason in my opinion, that the rise of far-right extremism is being fueled uh, by contextual conditions uh, emanating uh, especially out of uh, uh, the Western world, um, and which have experienced decades, in some cases, of Islamic extremist attacks. And in turn, this is fed into the rise of Islamophobia, which has been harnessed by the far right and provided them a platform to re-emerge. And uh, as a consequence, uh, resulted in reactive co-radicalisation of some on the far right, which, as we've seen in Christchurch, has led to uh, extreme violence. So there is a real need to um, understand the dynamics, the cause and effect dynamics at play with the uh, re-emergence of far right extremism and uh, ideology being one one key aspect to look at, but we we also really need to understand the underlying contextual conditions, mainly political, social, economic, uh, and security that is feeding or informing rather far right extremist ideology. And um, if we are to be honest and 
uh, genuine about uh, our attempts to combat far-right extremism and extremism in its, all its forms. This is a factor that has to be, be looked at. And um, if, if we fail to do that, we really, in my opinion, run the risk of um, just simply going around in circles with radicalization from the far right to perhaps the far left to Islamic extremism and just a constant cycle. And that that's, uh, uh, can be referred to as reactive co-radicalization. So, yeah, there's some real dangers and challenges, and, and this has implications for um, all societies, but particularly those in the West, um, uh, including in uh, Hawaii, in the wider uh, continental United States, and uh, Europe, and Australia, and of course here in New Zealand. If it can happen in New Zealand, it can happen anywhere. If you'd like to know more about my work, um, which now includes a focus on combating uh, far-right extremism and uh, the challenge for liberal democracy, particularly uh, the New Zealand um, liberal democracy. You can find links uh, to my research areas and, and material uh, through the University of Waikato Islamic Studies Group, which I'm a research member of. I'd be happy to answer any further questions you might have, but it uh, seems we're running out of time. And um, just uh, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, all the best. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you again to Dr. Gray for sharing his thoughts and his mana'o with us. Uh, let's do some quick shout outs before we get out of here, before I get out of here. Uh, shout out, Ryan's not here, so I'm going to have to do this on his behalf. Shout out to Uncle Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers men's basketball team. War Eagle! On their first SEC conference championship since 1985. And Ryan wasn't even here to talk smack about it. Uh, they won their opening round game too. A one-point squeaker against the powerhouse, New Mexico State. They've got a tough one, their second round March Madness game this afternoon. I'm recording this at about 11.40 a.m. on Saturday. This game tips off after three, I believe. They are playing the University of Kansas Jayhawks. That is going to be a tough game. KU's year did not live up to their usual standards, but the Jayhawks, Rock Chalk, are still one of the blue blood college basketball elite A-level programs. Uh, Auburn are going to be the underdogs here, but... That's probably just the way that they and Uncle Bruce Pearl like it. So let's see what happens. And SEC, SEC basketball, folks. Who knew? Going all the way. Uh, shout out to local attorney and fellow Richardson alum, Lauren Akemisugai. She was crowned the 67th Cherry Blossom Festival Queen on Saturday night last week at the Sheraton Waikiki. Sugai, who graduated in 2008 from Pearl City High School, go Chargers, and holds Bastards, excuse me, <laughs> I tried to say bachelor's and master's at the same time and got bachelor's, so let's say that again, and holds bachelor's, master's, and law degrees from the University of Hawaii at Manoa and works as a lawyer at a downtown law firm. She is super cool. Shout out to her and shout out to her sister, Lisa, our classmate as well. The Sugai family, love them, good people. Uh, shout out to Dirk Nowitzki, the legend, the all-time greatest international basketball player in my opinion, and in the opinion of anybody who knows what they're talking about. He passed Wilt Chamberlain for six on the NBA's all-time scoring list. 
remember, you know, LeBron passed MJ the other week. This is big too. You know, we've got some legends in the game right now. Big things are happening. Wilt Chamberlain, however, is still number one on the non-NBA all-time scoring list, if you get my drift. Speaking of basketball, a shout out to this cool news story about a local team with plenty of former Hawaii high school standout firepower traveling down to New Zealand to play in an all-Polynesia tournament as the Kingdom of Hawaii. Paul Honda had the story for Hawaii Prep World. He writes, A roster that includes some of Hawaii's top basketball players, including former professional Derek Lowe, also has a bit of saintly thumbprints. Side note, listeners, saintly uh, here is referring to St. Francis High School. Unfortunately, is having to shut its doors soon, but not before two of its standout basketball players make a name for themselves overseas. Paul Honda continues, Brothers Cameron and Cordell Ng are on the roster of the Kingdom of Hawaii team and are set to fly to New Zealand for a Pacific Rim-wide tournament on Thursday. Cameron Ng, a senior, and Cordell, a junior, are the only prep players on the roster. We're going to play against other national teams, polynational teams, Derek Lowe, Kyle Pape. They still play like they're in college. Kyle is a sniper, Cameron Ng said. Derek Lowe, Kyle Pape, shout out Iolani Raiders, Nokoi. Nick Velasquez, I think he's going to play somewhere. He signed to play pro after he comes back from New Zealand. We have Josiah Villa's younger brother, Terrell Villa, Kavika Lions, graduate from Kavimea, the big guy, Michael Wolf. He was born here. We have a pretty good team, I think. That's Those are some names, folks. Those are some names. I love it. Go boys. Do us proud. Uh, last little shout out I would like to share. Folks, this is coming out Wednesday. Set your DVRs. PBS. Thursday night, tomorrow night, March 28th at 9 p.m. PBS Hawaii is going to air Island Soldier. It's the untold story of Micronesian soldiers fighting for their piece of the, quote, American dream and the future of their small island nation. Again, Thursday, the 28th, 9 p.m., Island Soldier, PBS. That's Channel 10 Cable, Channel 1010 High Def Digital. Uh, When I was in law school as co-editor of the Asia-Pacific Law Policy Journal, we actually did a panel and screening of this film and if you're, you know, if you listen to our hashtag being Micronesian episodes and you want to learn more about the relationship between the historic relationship, sure, between the United States and Micronesia, but also the what that relationship means to the people of Micronesia in terms of shaping their society, essentially creating, you know, one of the one of the only ways to get off the island, joining the military the way that uh, they're not entitled to full VA benefits, you know, the, the, the sacrifices that they have made you know, ostensibly in the name of American freedom and the consequences that it's had for that place. It's fascinating stuff. I highly encourage you all to check it out uh, and get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Folks, that's it for me, I think. We got an exciting event. Oh, one last shout out. One last shout out. Mark your calendars for this one as well. Uh, we're going to feature... The folks putting on this event they're gonna uh, we've we've just recorded an interview with them that interview is coming out next week but i want you to go ahead and mark your calendars now since it's a little far away we'll make sure you can be there thursday april 18th save the date thursday april 18th 5 30 artistry kakaako rock for justice 3 uh, a fundraiser put on by a smorgasbord of hawaii attorneys from all sides of the criminal bar playing some music all sorts of music it's going to be a good time ten dollar suggested donation at the door free pizza big party for a good cause raising money so that current uh students rather than having to go seek out the high paying or relatively high paying firm job 
This will enable them to work in public interest in things like the environment, Native Hawaiian rights, LGBT rights. They can work in those nonprofit fields and provide resources and access to justice that wouldn't be there without this funding. So folks, for a good cause, we'll have more from the organizers of that event in next week's episode. But until then, that's all I'm going to leave you with here today. Thank you again to Dr. Gray for taking the time to share his thoughts with us. Folks, please get in touch. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend. If there's anything you want to hear that we're not talking about, get in touch. Let us know. We may ask you to come on the show and say it to our faces, but it'll be good either way. Um, That's it for me. Take care. Be good to each other. Aloha. Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.